joined in studio now by Justin Engels, the business angle, also presented by Blackfoot Communications. You got your Padres hat on. I do. I'm not a Padres fan, but um, <laughs> an artifact from a former life is the nickname Padre. Yeah. Uh, That's your Twitter handle, right? Uh, Padre Angle. From a long time ago. Yeah. I could share the uh, details of how that name came to be, <laughs> but uh, probably, I don't think your listeners would appreciate it, nor would uh, it be safe for radio. Oh, that's good. Well, it's still a nice hat. It is funny. Thank the you. new era hats are so funny because the new era hats are, are they're cool. They look nice. Yeah. They're really, you know, they're comfortable. They yeah, they go with everything. You can match them, all that stuff. I usually just wear hats that fit my head because I have a giant head. Yes. But it's amazing how many times in public you'll see somebody and they'll be like, oh, I like that too. Oh, I hate that too. Like I got a Brewer's hat. I got a Giants hat. I got all these hats. I don't particularly like or dislike any of the teams. I just like the color and the hat yeah, and stuff. And yeah. It's so funny. My brother always wears his Blue Jays hat. And then people will say, oh, he's a big Blue Jays fan? And he just c- completely makes up stories. Like, yeah, I'm from Toronto. I you know, grew up in Canada. I mean, I do have a Red Sox hat for the occasional World <laughs> sure. Series run that I have to bust out being a good uh, New Englander. But, you know, this hat works for me. Uh, so back-to-back weeks in the Big Sky Conference, we had games that were uh, night games on national television. So now that the dust has settled, Big Sky After Dark, uh, certainly uh, successful. The Grizz game against Idaho, 241,000 viewers is what the rating share came back as. It was the most viewed uh, game on ESPN2 that day. ESPN2 had five games that day. The uh, The night game between Montana and Idaho and Moscow was the most viewed. Uh, now the rating share for the, the Bobcat game is, has come back. About 100,000 less uh, then the Grizz game was uh, 140,000 and change is what viewed Montana State at Sacramento State. Um, I guess, first of all, what, what do you think of just those those numbers in general? Yeah, the differential makes sense to me. I mean, if you're a, I agree. If you're like a casual watcher of college football and are watching, you know, whatever game is being served to you, or, or maybe you're watching whatever game is being served to you, don't have much familiarity with Montana or Idaho uh, or the Big Sky in general. Montana, Idaho, that just sounds like. Okay, that seems like a rivalry game totally. that I'd like to tune into. Right. Right. It's it's sort of a story that tells itself, yep. even if it's a little detached from the truth. Um, whereas Montana State, Sacramento State, if I'm not really that familiar with either university, it's kind of like I'm not aware they're in the same conference. Right. Oh, I didn't know that Sacramento State had a football team. Maybe right. I wasn't right. sure there was a Montana State. I don't know. You could you could see how a casual, you know, East Coast, Midwest viewer would not feel that game was compelling without tuning into it. We spent less than 48 hours in Sacramento, but we had to kill time all day on Saturday leading up to this. So we went to a variety of different places, both on campus and, you know, we went out to eat and talked to a bunch of people very friendly people in Sacramento, and I was very impressed by that, very hospitable. But we talked to so many people and told them, hey, we're here for the game. And so many people made that exact same comment. It's so interesting how Sacramento's this city, yeah, and there's this huge disconnect. The number one thing I heard from everybody was, ooh, I heard Sac State beat Stanford earlier this year. Mm. And I also remember when we beat Oregon State, I also remember when they beat Colorado. They only think of when they beat the top FBS teams. They don't ever think, oh, Sac State's won three straight Big Sky titles. I couldn't believe how many people were like, oh, why are Sac State and Montana State playing? Are they in the same league? Are they in the same division? What's up with that? Why is that going on? 
it's way more applicable. I totally agree with it. Montana, Idaho is just okay. They got a trophy. They've played ninety times throughout their history. It's right across the border from each other. It's it's just way more symmetry. Yeah, it seems like it makes sense. And then also, Sacramento is a much larger media market, very close to giant media markets. Right. They have the you know the Kings there. I don't know. Do they have an NHL team? I don't know if Sacramento. Uh, they do not, not have an NHL team. But you've got all the Bay Area pro sports teams and just so much more happening adjacent and bigger universities, big time, you know, FBS programs, um, very close. And so the share of mind space for the casual sports fan is probably much less. Well, I was complaining about this because I was so tired from these last right. two uh, weekends. Only, and this is a me problem. This has nothing to do with anybody besides me. Uh, we get done with these things about midnight, but then we have another three or four hours of work. So Saturday into it's so Sunday. so hard getting paid to watch games. <laughs> I know. So I know. I'm sure the I know, audience is just I know, like I know. And tears I, are pouring And I only have to do it a couple times a year. So you just got to buck up. It's all good. But I, I was just really analyzing this because I was thinking to myself, okay, the Montana-Idaho game, I think the other reason they have a, a larger rating share is you have a lot of viewers from probably both schools yeah. brought to the table. Whereas I, 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 I would reckon that the vast majority of viewers – of this Montana State Sac State game or Montana State people, I mean, there's there's sixteen thousand people at the game. Yeah, I would reckon that that's the vast majority of people that are watching Sac State football in any form or fashion. Probably, and uh, you know, and then Montana State, you have a whole bunch of other people. So I I, I do think that's part of it. Um, but I, I was just contemplating. I was, I was just thinking, okay, if the vast majority of the people watching this game are Montana people, then why don't they just have the game earlier and have it on Montana stations? But then these guys brought up a couple of good points. Having it on the MTN Scripps Network or whatever, that gets it on every sports bar in Montana. That doesn't get it on every sports bar in the country. Right. That's part of why this is a huge advantage. Yeah, I mean, I think a way to look at this is, you know, brands want to build awareness and they can think of primary versus secondary demand. Primary demand is your existing customers, right. right? Trying to get them to buy more of the same product or secondary demand is finding um, new customers or finding new customers with the same product, right? So it is easier to get an existing customer to buy your product, right? It costs less. Cost of acquisition is much less. Right. However, in order to, sometimes a brand has to decide, like in order to grow our market share, we need more customers. We need new customers and it takes investment. And sometimes that investment um, can alienate your existing customers, right? If you try to grow your brand and reach more people, you risk alienating those customers that think of themselves as loyal. Now, the question is like, do those little customers have any other choice? Totally. You know, as a university appealing to your alums, you kind of have some monopoly power there, right? And particular in the state, particularly in the state of Montana, whether it's Montana State or University of Montana, uh, you'd probably have to do quite a lot to alienate your fan base. Um, and moving the game late is not enough to make somebody. It might make you annoyed. Totally. But the average fan is not going to like, I'm switching teams. I'm out. I'm yeah, switching no, teams. It's totally true. And, and I think the vast majority of fans love these night games. And I actually think that people probably in the fan bases love the night games on the TV when they're on the road because then they don't have to go anywhere. The night games seem great to me. Like, <laughs> totally. I, I don't know why people don't like them. I don't know why the Grizz don't do them more often. It yeah. seems like it's just such a... Um, just electric atmosphere in the stadium. I think it's hard from a logistical standpoint sure. for the coaches and the players, 
But again, your point is well taken that first of all, there's only 11 games a year. I only have to do this twice, so I should just yeah. stop complaining about it because it's already over. Now now we're just back to having normal games. I guess we have a night game in a couple weeks, but that's a 6 p.m. game. That's different than 8.30. That's a lot easier to manage. But that's here nor there, though. Uh, I, I do understand this dichotomy that you're talking about, though. This is something that businesses across the spectrum go sure. through, right? Yeah, absolutely. We have this 500-person conglomerate that have, you know, they brought us to the dance. They're our first people. How do we keep them happy while scaling yeah. and growing? And sometimes it's this sliding scale, right? Yeah, and you think of different customer segments, right? Different uh, groups of customers that share the same wants and needs. Um, the primary segments that you serve when you launch your business or, you know, if, if you're a, a program, a, you know, sports franchise on the rise, like you've got your loyal fan base, like, I think the Taylor Swift uh, phenomenon in the NFL is a good example. Sure, right. The NFL is giant, but they've found a vehicle for growth. We talked about this a couple yep. of weeks ago. It's true. So now they're doing things with their content and their outreach and their positioning that would appeal to the Swifties. And that might alienate some of the core NFL fans. They're like, I don't need this Taylor Swift BS in the middle of my football game. Sure. Or I like thinking of Kel you know, Travis Kelsey as a tough guy and not as like a prima donna out <laughs> on the town. I don't want to think about that as a football fan. But those fans are not going to turn off the game. It's true. They're already it's true. They're in their you know, hook, line, and sinker anyway. So might as well try to grow the pie. It's true. I mean, they were having graphics on the TV about... You know, Travis Kelsey's stats with Taylor Swift and, and before Taylor yeah. Swift, and I, it was driving me crazy. Guess who still watched the whole game? I did. Yep. yep. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, it is it is hard. It's hard for football fans. There's really nothing that makes football fans uh, change the channel if, if you are uh, hook, line, and singers. The business angle, presented by Blackfoot Communications, Justin Angle, in studio uh, with us. We do this a couple times a month here on Tuesdays during the 5 o'clock hour. Speaking of the NFL, Marty Mordewig and I talked about this extensively yesterday. Scoring is way down in the NFL, and part of the reason why is because there's this sort of vacuum in consistency of quarterback yeah. play. You got Patrick Mahomes, who's playing great still, and he is, has been for the last five years. Everybody else, even the other guys that are considered superstars, are up and down, and I think part of that's because of just the the accumulation of ridiculous NFL-ready talent that's coming out of the factory that is college football right now. And I think there's a whole bunch of different factors we can get into. But from a marketing standpoint, what do you think the NFL thinks of this? Because they had this golden age where they had all these guys that were not only the best players in the league, but the most easy to sell to the broadest audiences, the Peyton Mannings and Tom Brady's and Drew Brees's of the world. Yeah, Quarterbacks are certainly the easiest storytelling device. For sure. Right. So you, you, you can build, you, you do build a franchise around a quarterback. That person is the person who's touching the ball most frequently, has the most influence on the outcome of the game. And so if, if you don't have a stable of those sorts of guys across the league, it is a weakness for the league. The league probably wants, you know, franchise quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, However, I mean, having a variety 
uh, you know, in, in the outcomes and having a yeah. defensive oriented season and being able to tell different stories around that, you know, I, I, th- I think it's a strategy that could have legs or it's an opportunity to sort of highlight different types of folks and, and bring, you know, those sorts of stories to the forefront. But yeah, is it as compelling uh, for the casual fan? Uh, probably not. I mean, maybe that's why they're leaning so hard on Taylor Swift. Because <laughs> it might be. There's not many other superstars to build stories around. It's, it's interesting because, first of all, th- there was this group of guys that entered the league between like 1998 and like 2005 or 2006 that then all somehow played for like 20 years. Yeah. That amount of brand building is crazy. When you could have the same guys on the commercial for an entire generation of football, I mean, that's like... Gold when it comes to Madison Avenue. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the Peyton Mannings, the Aaron Rodgers, the Tom Brady's, uh, you know, I think they're kind of unique talents, but their talent also corresponded with a time when, you know, player health management and training and just all these things coalesced to create these, you know, what seemed at the time to be abnormally long careers. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it, we don't know if there's going to be folks that, you know, it seems like to me, like Patrick Mahomes is probably not a candidate for that type of career longevity, right? Just based on the style of his game. That's he true. throws his body around so much more intensely that, um, you know, it just feels like the, 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 his number could be up at any moment. Well, that's exactly why I think we see a lot of this volatility going on right now. The NFL made a whole bunch of rules to protect the Peyton Mannings of the world who yes. couldn't move and run. Well, now, guess what? That's the style the NFL plays. Every guy is on the run. Yeah. I think that's why there's so many more injuries, though, and there's so much more volatility in quarterback play. Yeah, it's a higher-risk position as For it's sure. conceived the way Patrick Mahomes plays it. And if that's sort of, you know, there are these trends in football and in other sports where, like, you know, everybody tries to copy the style of the winner, typically. Yes. And, you know, it, 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 there's been this... I mean, you know it far better than I, but the debate about running quarterbacks right. just seems like as, as old as the sport. The, 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 the evolution of defenses has come to the point now where they have figured out how to stop pretty much everything, whether it's the zone read or the RPO stuff or you know the pick plays or the constant motions. There's an answer to every part of the puzzle. The one thing that defenses haven't figured out the answer to is when a quarterback runs around for more than five seconds and then can throw on the run because the guy's going to get open. This is Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes in a nutshell. The problem is when these guys run around all the time, though, now they're at such a huge risk for injury. Josh Allen's going through this. Justin Herbert's going through this. Lamar Jackson's going through this. It's across the league. And, And, I mean, last week, I think there was like, seven NFL games where at least one backup was starting, and there was four NFL games where it was backup versus backup. It's This is interesting in terms of, like, the promotion of the league. The NFL is never going to take a step back and lose, at least I don't think anytime soon. But it is really interesting that right now most of the most reputable players in the league, they're not on anybody's fantasy football team. That's hard to sell to the general public. It is. It is hard to sell. I mean, it seems like we've entered a moment where, you know, there's this high-risk high reward sort of strategy. Like if you can get a player with the skill set of a Patrick Mahomes, um, which they're hard to come by, it it turns out. (laughs) Turns Uh, out. 
you know, and, and keep that talent going. I mean, yeah, yeah you want to sort of deploy that type of talent in, in that really exciting form of play, that electrifying form of play where you just don't know if you're going to see something new every time he touches the ball. But, you know, that's like capturing lightning in a bottle. And we see that not all the teams can do it. And if you can do it for a period of time, it doesn't last that long. So, you know, we sort of have this, like, you know, this trade-off between trying to catch lightning now versus how long can you sustain it. And we'll see it's a 17-game regular season. That's a long time to be to endure that type of demand. It's fascinating. And there's a lot of things that go into this, too. I mean, not only did those old older guys play forever, and not only did they, you know, burst onto the, the scene of, of, you know, football fans when they were in college and then, yeah. you know, have this, you know, basically quarter century of be in the faces of the league. Uh, they also have sort of like, I mean, Drew Brees and, and the Manning brothers and these guys, you know, Tom Brady's a little bit different because he's got a certain level of yep. arrogance and swagger or whatever. But they're just like these aw shucks, you know, they could be your neighbor in Oxford, Mississippi type personalities and stuff. I just think it's such an interesting dichotomy that's going on right now because I think that there's a lot of guys in the league that are among the best players in the league that are defensive guys that I think the league is scared to market because these guys are not like your neighbor down the street. These guys are like very intense individuals that maybe aren't. I don't know. It's it's interesting. I thought there was a breakthrough moment when Sauce Gardner from the New York Jets was on the cover of Sports Illustrated this summer because he's a guy that maybe uh, isn't in sort of the lens of, you know, the white America box that sometimes drives all of the marketing. He is a guy that comes, you know, from a, a disenfranchised background. He is a guy that wears a grill and his name is Sauce and all these different things. But he's also the man. He's got so much charisma. He's playing in New York City. He's the best player on one of the big market teams. So, I don't know, maybe that is a bridge that they could cross. I do think, though, that there's just there's a part of this that's as easy as so many people follow the NFL based on the fantasy football app on their phone. And so many of the best guys that are in the league right now, they are defensive guys, so they're not even on the app. Right. Yeah, a lot there, Coulter. I mean, you'd like to think of a world where the NFL can be a a vehicle for social change, right? Like, it, it, it has such broad appeal, such huge viewership. Definitely. And... It can be a leader in cultural sensibilities and the sort of athletes and sort of people and how diverse and representative they are can be an avenue for for telling a wide variety of stories and painting these guys in a positive light and bringing people along for that ride. At the same time, you know businesses are averse to taking risk. For sure. And if you alienate that core white America fan, as you described it, um, you know, you could risk losing some viewership. And I think also these owners tend to be old white dudes. That's right. Right. And so they're probably used to catering to fans that um, look and think like they do in, in, in some way. I don't know. I'm making some gross generalizations sure. here. Um yeah, but we have seen sport as a vehicle for social change and exposing uh, you know, fans to a much wider array of folks and getting folks to root for those people. And so I think they're, if the NFL is going to grow, which I think it continues to show That's that right. it wants That's to right. grow, it's going to have to reach more people at the same time not alienating the people it has. All right, last point on this, and then we'll move on. I, I think that this falls at the feet of the people that present 
the the uh, the analysis of this. I have always thought that the presentation of the NFL game via mm. the network TVs has been very rudimentary, and I think that that was because there wasn't a lot of access. You'd only have one or two games on a yeah. week that everybody was watching. Now there is millions of people that watch football all day long yeah. that watch so much football in the span of a weekend, including myself. And so the level of knowledge is much higher, but then I think there's like this disconnect. So I would just like to see them talk about, like right now the NFL is as pretty cut and dry as this. So many of the, analysis, so many of the analysts, so much of the, the breakdowns, it's this quarterback played well, this quarterback played bad. Like last night, the Monday Night Football game, it was all about Kirk Cousins playing awesome and Brock Purdy playing bad. Yeah. Where's the credit for the Minnesota Vikings for running all this combo coverage on the back end and, and really getting Brock Purdy's head? And where's the coverage of the San Francisco 49ers left tackle not being in and the Vikings attacking that over and over again? Sometimes it's not Brock Purdy's fault. Sometimes it's a matchup thing. I just wish that they could go a little bit deeper beyond all of that. Yeah, although, like, you are such a small slice of no, the it's customer true. pie. It's true. But you do raise an interesting question. I mean, that could be the next iteration of the product, right? The game is the game, yes. but how it gets served to us as viewers, I mean, maybe you're a segment that demands a much more sophisticated user experience, sure. right? Much more detail, commentary on the X's and O's. Whereas on the other extreme, maybe somebody wants to see as many pictures as Taylor Swift in the booth <laughs> and commentary on those implications. Yeah. And, and a wide variety of folks in between, we do now have the technology where we could slice and dice the, uh, or you know, craft the user experience so it fits the user a little bit better. Business angle with Justin Angle. Justin in studio with us. It's presented by Blackfoot Communications. Blackfoot Communications introducing Smart Biz. It's the ultimate Wi-Fi solution for Missoula's small businesses. With out-of-the-box dedicated networks, top-tier security, and network failover, you'll stay seamlessly connected. It's just $20 a month, no contracts. Sign up at blackfootsmallbusiness.com backslash better Wi-Fi and connect to more with Blackfoot Communications. Last one for you. Giannis Antetokounmpo signed a three-year contract extension with the Milwaukee Bucks. He's staying there. Uh, they're certainly one of the championship favorites. They've already won a title there with him. What do we think of just this dynamic, though? We talk all the time about market share and, and where guys are at. It seems like more now than ever, it doesn't matter what market you play in in the NBA. Well, I think it does to the extent that it is, in my view, good for the NBA that Giannis is staying put. Yeah. Um, because what we have seen, I think, is the decline in, you know, the Golden State Warriors are a bit of an outlier in that they've had a long run yes. with the same core guys. Mm -hmm. Now, but other superstars have moved around. LeBron's moved around. Yep. Durant has moved around. All these other James dudes, yep. all these guys are moving around. Yep. So people are not fans of a team that Kevin Durant is on. They're fans of Kevin Durant. Right. And that creates a dilution of the product and the brand, in my view. Mm -hmm. And so, in general, I think star staying put is probably good in the long run for the NBA. So, it's a different question as to, you know, whether it's good to have one of your stars locked up in a small market. Sure. I agree with you that, like, 
whether it's a small market or not, it doesn't really matter. Like the NBA could still put the box on the Christmas game. And That's all, right. All the prime time. It used to matter so much for TV, right? If you played in LA yeah. and New York, you'd be on TV all the time, and the other teams maybe wouldn't be on TV all the time. Now they're going to find a way to put. Yeah, they can put the bucks on anytime they want. Right. Right. And, yeah. and so that's not really so much of a factor. It's just sort of like the the what is the size of the potential bucks fan base now. You know, I see kids wearing Gianna shirts here right. in Missoula. I mean, my and nephews so, love the Greek freak. Yeah, so there is, I think that market potential is certainly less limited than the media market that is um, Milwaukee. But the question is, like, does he have the ability to be a transcendent super, superstar from that place? And Aaron Rodgers sort of did from Green Bay. Um, Green Bay's sure. got a little bit of a different um, status, I think, in its ecosystem than does than do the Milwaukee Bucks. But you know, if it's possible, it's possible now. Right, right. Totally. I think all the tools exist for it to be possible now, but I do think there's some natural constraints to uh, how much sort of his stardom can grow in that space. And sometimes I think it's it's possible to captivate like an entire region. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, for, you know, there's a moment in time where. The Seattle Supersonics were not just the team of Seattle. They were the team of the entire, like, inland Northwest. Yeah, I mean, you had yeah. Seattle Supersonics all the way to North Dakota, probably. Mm -hmm. Certainly in Missoula. I mean, they would come play preseason games at Dahlberg Arena because they knew there was a ton of fans here uh, in western Montana. So you wonder if you could have that same thing. I know Milwaukee's only, you know, hour and a half from Chicago or whatever, but it can sort of be the team of the entire Midwest. Like he captivate that entire sort of Northern Midwest region. Yeah. And there's a lot of States in there that don't have a broad array sure. of professional, yeah. you know, professional sports teams. And if you can capture that side of the market and create some loyalty there and success will, and success and stars will attract loyalty. So I think it could be a good vehicle to captivate that, that market. The fact that they're going to remain good, I think also really Absolutely. helps. If you're yeah. winning and winning and winning, that helps so much. I mean, this is like the opposite argument of the Los Angeles angels, right? They have these great iconic players right. in Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. They're never in the playoffs. And most of the people that watch the baseball, I mean, I don't really start tuning into baseball till September. If they were in the playoffs all the time, I'd have all these thoughts and opinions. I'm not going on my way to watch some sub-500 team just because they're in L.A. It's too bad. And those are some it's of the bad. best players in the game, and nobody's really paying attention. I think about how much people think about like Bryce Harper and Kyle Schwarber, guys that Otani is way better than these guys, but they're in the public conscience because they're in the playoffs yeah. all the time. They're playing in front of the rabid Philadelphia Phillies fans. Nuanas Dow, ESPN Radio, The Business Angle, presented by Blackfoot Communications. Justin Angle in studio with us. Anything else before we get you out of here? No, man. I'm good. You, you, you tapped me out today. <laughs> That's good. I think the consensus is no matter how much I complain, the night games on national TV are good for the brand. I, I relinquish my argument. <laughs>